0: Forever, dog. When your first choice is a big ol' bus, you turn around and boom, you, you end, end up with us. oh
1: diva. Dipper just took a bite of oatmeal. Our number is 2-1-3-5-3-6! Our email is SloppySecondsPod at gmail.com Now on with the He's about to take another bite Intro! Are you ready for some Sloppy Seconds? (laughs) Hi you stupid little fucks You sloppy little fucks, you nasty little fucks, you dirty little fucks It's me, Big Dipper, and that's Meatball Mm -mm. Welcome to Sloppy Seconds with Big Dipper and Meatball Hello
0: It's not oatmeal, it's kefir. Who is he? With granola Uh, You know it's like
1: I was just thinking about parfaits. I used to invite I used to invite <laughs> all the boys over in my little neighborhood. Well No, okay, wait a minute. Our the our street only had boys on it. That was but like I'm every house had you boys. So I was like, as invite a very young
0: kid walking down the street going.
1: Girl, guys, come over for some parfaits. And my brother and they would all come over and eat my little parfaits, and then go and like play music or video games with my brother. But I was like, "Mm, the soldiers are fed, you know. (laughs) You made like mini parfaits? No, like I made big parfaits. I would make my mom go buy like a tub of plain Greek yogurt, and then uh, strawberries, blueberries, sometimes a little pineapple, sometimes a little mango. You put a little oh god blackberry or. Boysen you mix berry, the lime jelly. lime
0: with the coconut
1: and you mix it all up. Anyway, how are you doing? <laughs> so I'm you're okay. eating kefir and granola.
0: Kefir. Kefir. Yeah, drinkable kefir yogurt is what I called it. You know when I was younger, I used to call it parmesan cheese shake cheese cuz you Cause shake you it out of the it. What that's the craft <laughs> stuff. Oh yeah, I mean we weren't it wasn't really on and popping over there, at the baby what dipper came house. What first,
1: Kiefer as the thing or Kiefer as a name? Ooh.
0: It's definitely kafir, by the way.
1: Wow. But it's Kiefer Sutherland, who yeah. one time I saw blackout drunk and made out with my male friend in a bar.
0: Wait, say it again. Kiefer what? Sutherland was blackout drunk and made out with your friend who was my a male, male friend,
1: yes. Oc guy, maybe he's a guy. I've heard that he might do that. He hangs out of that one bar a lot. Which one? It's over by. Do you do you know Patties? And and so and. Do you know. know Patties? It's okay. right over by Bob's Big Boy Burgers. Anyway,
0: I pulled a review that I felt was particularly, um, <clears throat> triggering for me. Ooh,
1: you did it! See, you and... just did it. <laughs>
0: I wanted to read it aloud. This is a five star review from someone whose screen name is C Wagner88. Wow, you're really inter- calling him out. What's interesting about this is I used to fuck a guy named Wagner. And,
2: and- was he 33?
0: 32? <laughs> no, he asked me again his age. Of course, you know he was much, much older. Mm. Um, but this feels like it could be him. Anyhow. Oh, he um, was 88. The- <laughs> I thought that was a year, not the age. This says love, but that's the title. Uh, the review says, "I adore this podcast." Big Dipper. The throat clearing is out of control. Some examples. Now, is does he is he saying I clear my throat a lot, or is he using throat clearing as a term? Well, I think he's
1: using it as a term. I think.
0: As, like, a transition. As, like, a transitional term. Because he says, uh, here are some examples, and then in quotes. So, I have a question I want to talk about. Let's transition into talking about as an (laughs) art. This is the one. This one gets me. As an artist, because I do love to say as an artist, I really find it interesting that as I'm moving into my apartment and then he writes, or they write, just say what you're going to say. All love. Bye. (laughs) I mean, that's a drag. Also, we kind of texted
1: back and forth, but I was like, I think that those are necessary in order to transition from whatever chaos I'm talking about. Because I'll go on a tangent that has nothing to do with what we're talking about, and you have
0: to bring it back. That's the whole... face. Come get (laughs) your But to me, it's like... It's like... It is the equivalent of raising your hand in class and then saying, "I have a question." I'm curious about. Right, that you haven't yet said anything. All you've said is like filler words to yeah. to well, say that, your question.
1: Yes. Do you know what so. that reminds me of? Is when in uh, when I was in acting school, which I realized was just like long form torture. Was <laughs> um, they taught us to never say just. Is that something that you ever had to learn? Like, you, I, like when I'm talking about something, I was like, oh, yeah, I just got on stage and did it, and they're like, no, you got on stage and you did that. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's a way of demeaning. So maybe, maybe you're trying to, I don't know.
0: I know I say like too much.
1: That is for damn sure. Yeah. Well, we all do. It's part of our generation.
0: It's generational. Um, generational trauma, baby. Girl. Hey! How long do you think you could hold that note for? Wait, hold on. <laughs> hold on. 10,
1: 11, 12.
0: 15 16 17
1: 18 19 20, 20, 20 24. Put me on Broadway baby <laughs> I can hold a what was that 21 second note Ooh. I counted
0: <laughs> I counted 24 but did did you also get digital interference did you hear that what was that that was the ghost of Shoshana
1: Bean coming up saying, don't come from my sustained <laughs> note, mama, miss, ma'am. I could hear it through the internet.
0: Ooh, I love that. Amazing. Well, listen, this was <laughs> fun. <laughs> was like,
1: I, wait, for a second, I was like, what? now you do it. No. <laughs> I like that's one full minute
0: of air. <laughs> of so just much. doing nothing. <laughs> just making as if As if we don't put people through enough <laughs> listening to this show. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> We're here two times a week, and then we just do this shit in your ears? Yeah, what, what else should we talk you. about? We appreciate you. That's one thing that I am uninterested in doing on the show talking about what else should we talk about while we're recording the show. I think we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to have our special guest. <laughs>
1: That does not be seconds. This is a weird segment where we have a. See, this is weird because we normally talk before this. Well, we're just going to start. Welcome okay. back, everybody. Welcome back, everybody. <laughs> and now let's introduce our new special guest an activist, a filmmaker, a fixture in the queer art world, honey. It's Leo Herrera. Hello.
2: Hello. Your Hi. last name has a
1: lot of R's in it. Do you go? Oh, how do you do you give it a little roll of the R? Herrera. If I
2: have to, I'll go Herrera.
1: You better not do that
2: again. Mm.
0: <laughs> Hi, thanks for being. here. You're joining us uh, from New Orleans.
2: I did. I moved to New Orleans for a while from San Francisco. From San Francisco, oh. I split my. T- I usually split my time uh, between both cities, and I have a bio family here, including my gay brother. So she's spending the winter here.
0: And your brother uh primarily does fashion design, right costumes yeah, he design? does costumes,
2: yeah yeah yeah, so the dynamic usually this duo. Is, yes we we are we are that
0: <laughs> i I first met you i don't re- actually remember when I first met you, I remember being very intimidated by you uh, oh really you. oh yes, very much so, because you everyone knows who you are like you're very much that person who's like next to the famous person do you know what i mean like (laughs) you you know like when you go to the nightclub and you see the like flashy person that everybody knows but then you see like the dj huddled in the corner like talking to the person you're like that's the real mover and shaker i feel like that is you because every party every city and i first became aware of you when i started traveling to do gigs and i was like bitch, she's in San Francisco, she's in New York. Like, I was like, what's going on? She knows everybody. We have a whole little collection of selfies because I always
2: grab you because it's always like the randomest like bear party in like Austin or bear party, <laughs> you know, like it'll be Southern decadence and I yes. have like a little tiny like Big Dipper collection of, of
0: yeah, selfies yeah. I like to That's take because so it's always good. so random. Because so you, wait, I mean, you've we, lived uh, everywhere, right? Sorry, go ahead. Mabel. I are going to ask the Same question. Same question.
2: Yeah, I, I uh, lived in San Francisco for a long time and then moved to New York for a while. But I traveled a lot for my work. And that's kind of the main thing that I've always tried to center my work around is just traveling and seeing like how different queer like groups live and, and party and do art as many places as I can in the United States. So that's probably why you always see me doing being that guy. Yeah. And all of these random ass spots. So then it'll be like Big Dipper's performing at this bar, and I'm like, oh my god, it's gonna be hilarious because I'm like, hey bitch.
0: <laughs> it is. It is truly, and it always. It like adds to the mystique and the magic to be like, what the fuck? She's everywhere. <laughs>
1: I know because I just watched um, the 45 minute epi- version of your movie, and oh, did you? Yeah, it was great. I mean, I love my favorite part was the surprise fisting. I didn't see it coming, and then out Good. of nowhere, there it was. Whole room of guy's getting fisted. And I don't know if you know this about me, but I am very intrigued by fisting. So I have a lot of questions about what was that
2: day on set like? <laughs> um, that's that, like, I'm sort of not supposed to say which party that is. But uh, if you guessed it, you could guess it. It's like one of the largest leather circuit parties in the world. And it's held in New York. So, it, you know, you could put two and two together. Uh, so yeah. it was, that was actually filmed at that event i was allowed a camera they they allowed me a camera for the first time um and that's actually happening like that's the scene that they're doing like those like i didn't set that up that's actually like
1: oh because some of them seem like they were like oh there's a camera in here let me give them the double one too
2: oh and you know those queens are like that too so it's like a lot of performers and they have like live you know this is a 30 year old 40 year old party and so it's like uh, they do live sex shows and i've worked with the promoter for such a long time and when i was doing fathers i had this episode because it was told in episodes when it first came out and there was one about robert maplethorpe and i thought well you know i i messaged the promoter and i was like what would you think about having a scene in father shot there and I oh. I knew it was gonna be a long shot and he was like fuck it just come on down so I had I was there for like eighteen hours and then the fisting scene happened at like four in the morning and well, so yeah, like they gotta everything... loosen
1: up their holes they couldn't just jump yeah. in.
2: And then like two like two guys had to get switched out at the last minute. So like getting all of the consent forms and messaging everybody to let them know what that was about. And like uh, one of those people is actually my really good friend from San Francisco. So that's, I mean, that's why I like to travel and do all that stuff. So Fathers was was able to give me this like access to so many really cool things. And that fisting scene is like, it's hard for me to look at sometimes because it's so intense. Mm-hmm. But it's about Robert <laughs> Mapplethorpe. So it was like, am I really going to stick a, you know, like a fisting scene in the middle of this thing. Like, how am I going to get this scene? How am I going to like put this on social media? And that was like a whole journey, but it was like, go big or go home.
0: Right. Well, I want to back up because Meatball jumped us into the fucking deep end before we even got started. <laughs> so i want to actually sorry, so sorry. F- do, do a frame of reference to sort of share with the listeners what we're even talking about, which right. is this like massive film project that you've been working on for how many years?
2: like five years now, we're going, I'm going into the sixth one. I mean, it's sort of done, but it's like a project that just, it sort of just keeps growing and like, it's got a sort of a life of its own.
0: So, uh, you know, we both have obviously like meatball just watched and and like I've yeah. been aware of this for a while um you know, how about this? We'll tell you what it is, and then you can correct okay. us okay. Uh, <laughs> so it is a film project about what if we lived in a world where uh the the AIDS epidemic did not steal an entire generation of queer people mm-hmm. from us, correct. Yes. Okay. Same. You did it. Starring. Although I've been calling it
2: the AIDS. I've been calling it the AIDS pandemic because it's still a pandemic, and there's a lot of political reasons why we don't call it a pandemic. Yeah, let's talk but, about that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the project started like five years ago at the start of Prep when Prep came out. Yeah. And how there were so many inner community discussions about what prep meant and, you know, the slut shaming and all of those like really intense conversations that we were having yeah. and sort of coming into the realization that I couldn't get a good answer from a lot of the activists that I knew uh, whether or not I should go on this pill and realizing really like from a heart place that we're missing so many mentors and that there was nobody for me to call at that point. So you sort of realize, and I've always studied the AIDS pandemic and and the beginnings of it. And uh, I've always really been intrigued by pandemics in general. And um, it kind of just took a life of its own of like, well, what if we did not What if we, what if this thing didn't exist? And what if all of these activists were here to be mentors for us? And what, how different would our world be? And also it's really fascinating to me how much AIDS shapes who we are and right. how much it's shaped it through i mean it's been around for decades now so i mean we're as old as the aids epidemic i was born in 1981 so right um i'd have like activists tell me like oh you're you know you were born in 1981 i have antibodies that are older than you <laughs> right
0: yeah, I've heard that before. yeah not, so, a- um, not from activists but you know other people right from daddies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly but okay i want to but not to cut you off but i'm curious right. about epidemic versus pandemic because when covid first started swirling right was a lot of conversation of like what's a pandemic versus an epidemic right. and why mm. do we call mm-hmm. these things epidemics? so you just very clearly said you call it the uh aids pandemic meaning there's no ongoing? like there's no
2: official uh I mean, there's a lot of overlap between an epidemic and a pandemic, but a pandemic is basically just worldwide, mm-hmm. which it, that's what AIDS fits it. I think, and you could, I mean, everybody has a different opinion about it. And it's just the, the conversation about the language is really interesting to me. And one of the biggest viral posts that I had last year was that I just simply called it a pandemic. And it's, this is our second pandemic. Mm-hmm. And a pandemic is a, a, like a contagion that is spread throughout the globe. That's really just the definition of it. And so, like, the World Health Organization calls it an epidemic now, but during the beginning and up to 2006, they're still calling it a pandemic. And so those are sort of interchangeable, but there's something sort of politicized about calling it an epidemic because an epidemic makes it a smaller sort of a country's problem, right? And so it makes it really easy for us to forget that AIDS is still affecting the rest of the world because we don't fucking think about Africa.
0: You know, like... Right, we're so like oh, all it's American different... and it's gay, and so we're just going to isolate epidemic. it. Yeah. yeah, right. So, so that
2: tunnel vision is really interesting. And as soon as you sort of open that up and call it a pandemic, all of a sudden it just opens up this whole discussion about what that is and how we're still dealing with it. And you know, so it's really, really fascinating. And I think the language around epidemics and pandemics, I think, is something that I think is really fascinating. And we saw so much of that this year. Yeah, so much of it.
0: So when, when I want to talk about the slut shaming around prep because I remember that conversation. Oof, How yeah. did you feel, Meatball? I do you take prep?
1: No, I don't think well, you do. No. Right? no, but I did for a little while. But then I was I got into like a committed relationship, and so I was like, this is unnecessary for me, right? Also, it's so expensive. You started the, the episode yeah. of Father's Like That, but it's truly, if you don't have the right health insurance, it could be upwards mm-hmm. of like $600, $700 a month to keep yeah. yourself from like... yeah.
2: Yeah, it was like $1,600 when it came out. Yeah, yeah, which...
1: And didn't they try to sue that guy or like get him to make it
2: cheaper and he was like, no thanks? Well, Jillian, the pharmaceutical company that produces PrEP, basically what they did was really messed up, which is they let gay doctors and gay activists sort of do the research for PrEP and they let taxpayers pay for it. And then they kept their mouth shut during this whole discussion because they were like, let the Queens figure it out. Um, (laughs) And uh, they didn't have the guidelines. Yeah, exactly. And they didn't have like, (laughs) they'll figure it out if they want to fuck each other raw. They'll always make it work. (laughs) Um, Which is what a lot of it came down to. And I, you know, I am, of the mindset that we, that it's in nobody's best interest for gay men to have free and carefree, you know, pleasurable sex. So if you ask activists, they'll worry about the STD rates, which is, you know, a yeah. totally true thing. And if you ask like doctors, they'll worry about the side effects. And if you ask, you know, religious people, we're not even gonna get into that now. Um, <laughs> so all of a sudden the discussion became like, well, what? I got into a serodiscordant relationship for the first time, which meant that my partner was HIV positive and I was HIV negative. Mm. And so then that became a really big issue because the only times I've ever not worn condoms are with partners. So all of a sudden it becomes this like real issue that we're having. And um, a lot of people were in those kinds of relationships when a lot of people were young and they wanted to not wear condoms and worry about it. I mean, I mean, How old are you guys? I'm 35. Yeah. So I'm 39. So I, you know, I came of age where like there was no, you know, HIV treatments much when I was really young. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I grew up in Arizona where it was like abstinence only education, which just scared the shit out of you throughout your teens. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of trauma that we have, especially people that are my age and a little older, uh in terms of like the shame that comes with not wearing a condom once you know like going out and partying and like waking up the next morning and not knowing exactly what happened or like Mm, i miss it you know there's so many different (laughs) risks yeah, what'd <laughs> you say? <Nothing. laughs> she said it's, she I miss- misses it. <laughs> oh, God, I miss it so bad. I miss the old world.
1: <laughs> no, but I, I um, know what you mean about the shame of, like, the abstinence thing. In Texas, they told us, like, our sex ed Ooh. class was like, yeah. here's how your penis works, here's how you yes, come, the- and then never, mm-hmm. never go anywhere near someone else's privates. And that was like it, They're,
2: or it'll just gonna get like cauliflowers growth. Yeah, flower, it was right? like a lot like, of like yeah. scared.
1: Like if you have sex, you'll get a VD,
2: and then mm-hmm. you will die. Mm-hmm. Die. Yeah, syphilis and AIDS, yes. and you will die. Oh, AIDS was right. such and that a was huge all we had.
1: deal there yeah wait, I have a question because we were able to make a vaccine for Covid in such a short amount of time, and I know there's been scientists working on the AIDS vaccine since like the early nineties what what's the what is the delay? Is it just that they're literally being like, This is a gay person problem, this has nothing to do with us, so we don't care
2: I mean a lot of it is that for sure, the lack of you know- especially now that we have a treatment for it, it's not in anybody's interest to make us stop taking a sixteen hundred dollar a month pill
0: right. Because you see, it's a constant revenue stream, right? The, the prep—that's so not the prep—and mm-hmm. then the the HIV drugs versus mm-hmm. a vaccine that avoids the problem. Do you
2: remember the AIDS Healthcare Foundation? Is that what it's called? Um, anyway, these huge—I mean, it's an industry. AIDS mm-hmm. is an enormous, enormous industry around the world in terms of like funding and in terms of of. You know marketing and everything. So there's all of these enormous machines whose it's not in their best interest for us to just get a shot and be finished with it. Having said that, AIDS and uh, HIV is like a really really difficult virus to deal with. So right. I haven't taken a huge deep dive into the to the COVID vaccines, but I also um,
1: will you be getting one? You know, I what you say? Will you be getting one?
2: Uh, the Corona vaccine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm gagging for it. <laughs>
1: <Me too. laughs> like I'm so ready. Especially for because it. you're in okay. New Orleans, which is like such I'm an amazing so city it. to like be in. It's one of my favorite cities of all time. Yeah. But I have a question right. about the, it was what is the gay scene like there? Because every time I've gone it's been like a family vacation and then it's been like t- dinner's over oh, and sorry. I like run around trying <laughs> to find a gay bar or something. <laughs> I took my mom to a drag bar, I think it was called Lucky Pierre's. Or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of the yeah. drag queens there was also a world champion alligator wrestler. And she loves rough stuff.
2: So I was like, Mom, I, I, <laughs> I promise I drag My is better than kind. this. So what is the gay scene in New Orleans like? I mean, there's a I mean it's like in every city, there's like, you know, your top 40. I mean a lot of it's um Tourist-based, mm-hmm. too. So I've been really lucky that, like, a lot of the really best parties, you know, and the best things are taking place in some, like, dilapidated warehouse. Like, yes, Ma. You know, three, you know, a mile from the French Quarter. But it's really fun to just get fucked up in the French Quarter in this fruit Loop of all of these bars. It's just like a drinking mall. So there's all of these, like, underground great parties because there's so much space here and everything's so much cheaper. Um But you have to sort of, like, know people to know where to go. But at the same time, I love taking my friends out on that French Quarter tour. Um, Obviously, none of that's happening here. I just moved here just to switch my quarantine up. I haven't, you know, done any of it. And then if you go down to the French Quarter right now, all the fucking worst people without a mask on Mm -hmm. coming from all sorts of places in the South are here. And so there's that sort of level of disconnect that, you know... I'm not about to try off on this trip. But otherwise <laughs> it's one of my favorite, I mean, it's it's my favorite place. I think there's, it's the most American city I've ever been to. Mm.
0: Well, I, okay, let's take a quick break and <laughs> then we're gonna, yeah, we'll, we'll be right back. We'll be right back. 20 percent off your next box That's code sloppy seconds 50 at factormeals.com/sloppy seconds 50 to get 50 percent off your first box plus 20 percent off your next box while your subscription is active That's a sleigh baby uh. Uh. Okay, so we are back, and um, I'm curious. I like I don't want to. I, I find your work. I remember I was in Chicago, hmm. and I ended up down at Smart Bar during the day, and you were giving a talk about queer spaces right you were giving a talk about so the thing that I love about what you do you know as a filmmaker as a commentator I would say you know if there was a national cable queer network you would be a regular pundit talking about world issues like I, I what I love about what you do is like um you're very joyful and there's a lot of humor, but you're also incredibly poignant. And and something as of late, you've been posting a lot of commentary and and your take on on COVID and you know the whole gaze over COVID Instagram account, everything that's happening in Puerto Vallarta, like all of these places. Uh, or all of these things that are happening around COVID and the sort of direct correlation to the timeline of, of what happened around HIV and AIDS. And so I, I, I mostly wanted to hear you talk about that on the show. All right, then. cut all that other stuff out. Um, no, we're happy to talk about it all. I know Meatball always likes to keep things light, but like I, I find this all very fascinating.
2: Yes, you know, what's what's kind of <laughs> ironic about it is I worked on Fathers for five years and I was pretty convinced that I was done with it. I finished the 45 minute cut of it. It was the hardest I've ever had to work in my life. It was such emotional work and it was so like draining in every way imaginable. And it was so exhausting and it was mostly just me doing all the filming. And I thought like, okay, I finished it. It's done. I'm like, I'm going to spend next year not talking about AIDS, not (laughs) talking about a pandemic. I'm going to move on to other things. Oh. And then all this, I've been working on this novel for a while and the, the irony is that I've been working on this novel for like 15 years. It's like that. It's that thing that I'd some Mount Everest. I keep climbing. And right. it always was about San Francisco recovering from a pandemic. Cause it was supposed to be this like allegory to AIDS. And like the most word, like the most used word in it is quarantine. Like there's a quarantine nightclub. And then there's mm-hmm. like phases of quarantine where everybody's stuck in the city. So I've been working on this thing for a long time. And I thought, okay, I'm going to just spend most of next year working on this novel about this like shadow pandemic and this metaphor uh. for AIDS. And I start to see the word quarantine come up in China a lot in the beginning of the year. Cause they quarantined, you know, mm-hmm. 35 million people or whatever. Um, and then all of a sudden I realized like, holy shit, we're going to be in another pandemic. No. Like this is, this is happening. And the last time I traveled was when I was here in New Orleans for Mardi Gras and we didn't realize that COVID was here and, You know, that ended up being an enormously huge, super-spreading event. Mm. Like, people that I knew were sick with COVID while we were here. A lot of people died after that. Um, Especially a lot of older people in these crews that, you know, put Mardi Gras together. And so when we got back to San Francisco, I sort of did the math on everything. Like, I was like, wait, how is this thing spread? And what do you have to do? And how, you know, how many deaths are there? And then I realized... Holy shit. Like this thing is coming and, and Americans are so awful. This is going to take us years. And right. if you know anything about pandemic behavior, like the Spanish flu or AIDS, th- we follow a very specific track of thinking when it comes to disease as human beings that I think is really, really fascinating. And I've always thought it was really fascinating. I just never thought I would have to live through something like that, you know? So right. that was really scary. What What is that track of thinking? It's like we have these like weird patterns of denial and like depending on how long it takes for it uh-huh. to, to, you know, make itself seen uh, like how long the symptoms take, the way that we track it, the way that we talk about it, the way that we don't talk about it. Um, it's really sort of fascinating, but it's really scary. And sort of being that in the beginning of it and seeing the level of disinformation and then watching what Trump was doing with like, the masks in the same way that we've experienced condom use before. And like, so all of these like sort of parallels started to become really like aware to people that were either like in the AIDS field or like elders were sort of like, there's, they were started to get like the hairs in the back of their neck standing up around Mm -hmm. really early March. And then I thought, Holy shit, like this is, this is going to be a huge thing and this is going to end in hundreds of thousands of deaths. And this is going to surpass AIDS in, in the death toll and sort of knowing that back in, you know, March and April, because of what you're studying and with your job and then talking to other nurses and doctors and other activists. And it's just like, Oh, we're going into this thing. That's going to be really, really, really scary for everybody and really confusing Pandemics I can just imagine confusing. you just
1: clickety clacking over to Dr. Fauci being like,
2: listen up. <laughs> this <laughs> That's fashion Fauci knows himself. what's going on. Girl, Fauci,
0: <laughs> Fauci was around. Fauci, <laughs>
2: <laughs> Fauci is part of AIDS history in a huge way. Yes. So as soon as Dr. Fauci popped up, I was like, oh my God, this is like the weirdest rerun ever. And Dr. Fauci was really protested against during Like Mm -hmm. a lot of Dr. Fauci's reaction to COVID is directly because of the work that he did with AIDS activists. There's a straight line through so much of this. It's really, it's overwhelming. It's really emotional. And so I started to just sort of jot down my feelings because I was seeing my friends be really confused and really scared. And so this was sort of my way of being like, okay, we've done this before. Let me acknowledge our elders because they're really scared that we're going to just get them all killed and not listening to certain things. And then I'm also in San Francisco at the time. So our, luckily our health officials and our politicians really heeded that response because of the fact that that city had already been through an epidemic or a pandemic. And so at some point you're just, and then you're also stuck in the house. So I'm like, I'm just gonna start to really, I'm gonna write to myself in these posts. So I'm really just having a conversation with myself and trying to calm myself down with these posts that nobody, I mean, nobody was really following my Instagram really at the time. So Mm -hmm. the, these are sort of conversations that I'm having with myself of like, okay, this is, you know, you're going to be weird after this. This is going to be something that's going to change the way that your body moves. Well, it's okay to be too careful. Um, remember this is your second pandemic. So I would write those feelings down in these tiny little capsules and then send them out into you know, the Instagram thing. And then mm. they started to catch on. And then all of a sudden I started to sort of speak to people's like emotions and feelings about their feeling and then give them a historical context, which I think people were really grateful for. And then before I knew it, like I was checking my followers and all of a sudden I have like, I'm like, why is there so many like white women following me all of a sudden? Oh, and no. because I I oh, know I was terrified. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. And it was because I'd, I'd hit into these like, pockets of people that have like immunocomprised children and they're disabled. And so I hit like into these like disabled communities that were like, I don't know how to explain to my family why I can't go to this family reunion or I can't like, you know, explain to my kid why we're not doing this. And these posts are sort of helping me process that. And at the same time, getting a lot of messages from elders being like, thank you because we've been screaming about AIDS for so long that it falls differently when we say it.
0: So I, I'm curious about the the whole, the whole PV traveling, partying situation. Right. Hm. Because there is some psychology, and you've hit on it a little bit. I mean, it's like there is some psychology to, like, ignoring it or this isn't my problem or that sort of thing. And almost, like, generationally, like, you know, people in their early 20s, it's like they don't have the reverence for – for the older generation and they didn't have the same type of history lesson when it comes to AIDS. But right. like, what Like, what the fuck? Like, what's the hot yeah. take on those people? <laughs> like, what the hell? Like, I don't you know. You know, the
2: first thing I think we have to acknowledge with all of that is that that behavior is a failure of government right. and a failure of messaging at the very, very top. And so it does us all a disservice to sort of just blame each other um, because we aren't taught those things like you know like a lot of these people that are doing this, they're like in their early twenties, for example, and they've never known what it's like to get an HIV test that you're really freaked out about, for example, or they've right. never known somebody mm. to die of AIDS or they've never seen somebody you know become addicted to meth in response to their AIDS, you know um results and so there's so much of it going on um having said that a lot of the thing that separates COVID from AIDS and from HIV is that, you know, HIV and AIDS is between two people, you know, or, or an Mm -hmm. orgy, but like, Mm. it's an inter-community thing and it's in your community discussion. The issue with COVID is that you aren't, you know, this is isn't about the guy you're fucking. This is about the Uber driver and the delivery guy and the cashier the next day and the lady who cleans your house. And, you know, all of a sudden it just becomes this chain and, disease and epidemics and pandemics like they hit into some like denialist survivalist thing with us and if you don't have the right messaging and if you don't have a government that's telling you you know straight up what's happening um you're going to resort to a lot of really a lot of behavior that's really bad for the the community health and a lot of people forget that like Ronald Reagan didn't say the word AIDS for like four years. Right. You know, like they laughed about us when it was brought up. So there's so much precedent to that. And so it was also like a reminder to people, especially in the beginning of this thing, when Trump already knew, when it was obvious to a lot of us who study epidemics and pandemics that he already knew that it was as severe as we suspected it was. Yeah, And his reaction was so like, Oh, don't, don't worry about it. Don't wear masks. Don't. It was so gross, but it, we have a historical precedent to that. So it's this idea of like, you know, the government has tried to kill us with this before. And as soon as they found out it was mostly black and brown people, you know, it's the same reaction as when they found out it was mostly gays. Yeah. So it's such a failure of messaging and it's such a failure of, of history, but we, We gay people have to redefine themselves every single generation because we don't have the ability to pass down knowledge to each other. We don't have school courses. We don't have, you know, but so much of our generation before us died of AIDS. So they, they weren't able to pass down a lot of that knowledge. So you have this whole year where you're watching that behavior sort of continue. But I feel like at the end of this year, like you can't make any more excuses up. Like you can't say I didn't know I went yeah. to fucking PV. You can't you can't do that. <laughs> well, like that was my issue point... with the PV yeah. thing.
1: All like anyway, yeah. it's like you know it's getting worse, not better. Like we've been doing this for close to a year, at least six months. Yeah. You've known about it, the fuck and you makes still you think that Puerto Vallarta is
2: better, yeah. right?
1: Because there's no rules and restrictions, and people just think like, oh, because that city has decided to not say anything, they're fine with it. But then nobody they put will in have all
0: Americans, right? Right, <laughs> right girl and the ones the ones that really got me who are the ones who got the vaccine two days before the icu nurses who then hopped on a plane knowing that that vaccine doesn't take hold until the second dose comes into play and then you still have to wait many many weeks and it's not about you fuck i mean so okay but what See, I wanted it's very, to say it's very emotional. here's yeah. What, yeah, what I, I, mean, what I, I wanted, get, Oh, I get mad,
1: I get heated. But what, what I, I will say,
0: what I wanted to say, what were you going to say, people? Well,
1: you were saying something about this generation like not knowing stuff, and I I do have to credit like this new generation that's coming up because they do spread information through yeah. each other much faster whether it be through like YouTube or fucking TikTok or whatever
2: they're right. on. they So seem... don't act like you don't know, Queen, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm like, don't act
1: like you don't <laughs> fucking know because you know it's everywhere. You can't look anywhere without seeing it or seeing right. the numbers. Which Ugh. is why
2: on top of all that, there is a the colonizer vibe to it. Oh, Very that is that was that's what, and that was what really struck the nerve in my my open letter to the PV gays because it's just like shut the fuck up, bitch! Like you know what you're doing, you know that you're going to a government. You're not going to, you can't go to Europe. Like, right. why do you think you can't go to Europe? And you're sitting there saying like, you know, oh, the government's letting us. Okay, well, what is our government doing? Like, Girl. you're yeah. watching our government actively try to let this thing run rampant. Okay. And then you're saying, like, oh, well, we're giving them money, which is like, okay, if you care so much about the fucking like economy of pv then find Chantula. a soup kitchen and send some donations right right you don't have to go down so there like,
0: go to a circuit party and hand deliver your groceries and donations you right. can just ship them on down there
2: exactly and then there was also like the other facet of like well i have antibodies i saw this queen like and you know and then i saw these like queens posting pictures of them with a shirt that said antibodies and it's like, you don't even know, we don't even know the science behind Yeah, we don't that. know what's so going to happen. It. Like, skip it. You don't even know. This is like an alien invasion. So spare me, you know, Kevin from fucking accounting at, you know, some company in New York. Like, you don't fucking know what's going on with that. And then at the, at the end of it, then you're also like posting about it. And you're setting an example to everybody else to think this is okay. So by then, it's just like you've, you've done like five shitty things. Yes. And then all of a sudden, you want to not be shamed and you want to not be called out and you want to enjoy your vacation. It's You're not going to have your cake and eat it too right now. Like exactly. it's, it's just not going to happen because there are AIDS activists who literally died for you to have these rights to go to PV and fucking do all that shit. <laughs> and you have these people that died and then you have these other people that survive that are holed up in their apartments watching you do this, like having a late stage crisis in their lives because they're thinking like all the work that I did was for nothing mm-hmm. for these fucking ungrateful little bitches. And so you have to have someone like me that's just going to come in and be like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think
1: they need to be shamed. I talked to Nicole because we both like send each other videos back and forth all the time of just like huge parties and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we always just say, like, I feel insane. I feel like I'm going crazy. I feel like I am part of a cult that believes in something that doesn't exist because they're behaving like this. And they see But it's the other way around. I yeah. know. But it like and doesn't help that I'm with. seeing it and just like, why have I been stuck in my house? I haven't left anywhere. I haven't seen right. anybody.
0: I loved one of your posts, the um, I don't have it right in front of me, but, uh, where you basically were like, you can wait, you can hold off. You, There'll be another dick to suck. There'll be another party to go to. the behavior that you're participating in by staying home is saving your future. And that really stuck to me because I think, especially in the day in like the age of internet, we all have this like FOMO feeling where we're really Mm -hmm. just like, we want to be a part of everything. And I just thought that was really like a poignant idea of like patience and like thinking about the other people around you. And I want to say to like people listening who are sort of like tapped out on this topic, because I feel it too we can't tap out when like it's history, right? Like what I love about your perspective is that, you know, if you want to talk about HIV and AIDS in the eighties versus HIV and AIDS today, it's a much better picture today. It's still fucked Mm -hmm. up, but it's a much better picture today. So having that context to draw the line between the two gives me hope for the future of how we're going to be, Uh, operating in a society where coronavirus is a thing that exists and people are vaccinated for it and we talk about it and it's not remember that one weird blip of a year that completely disappeared like this has been etched into stone and the rest of our life will uh you know happen and we will have this recollection like this is not going anywhere and so i just really appreciate that about the context that you
2: thank you and i think i know which poster talking about it's and that was me talking to myself. It was right, me exactly. telling myself, like, you're. It's okay for you to trust your gut on COVID, and it's okay. I, I, the post you're talking about is the yes. blue one because I yes. color code them. Yes, this and it one, says, yes, yeah. yeah, and it says, um, it's okay to feel too careful. It's, it's okay, okay to, to miss, miss parties. Yeah. Oh well, you you can read it. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, you to know miss... how to
0: read. It's okay to miss parties, friends, and sex because you're listening to your gut on COVID yeah there's still so much to understand and we don't really know it yet fucking yeah
2: and also you know i was talking to myself because you know like we were talking about earlier uh meatball about like our sex ed stuff like i was taught that if you touched a dick your mouth would fall off and aids <laughs> would jump into your eyes you know like mm-hmm. if you had such such horrible abstinence only uh teachings in texas and, and arizona they told us everyone would from. know
1: because you'd be covered in lesions they, like, they'd like yeah, they know you're a just covered
2: and you're like eye, oh, like it's half closed um but I, so i gave my first blowjob with a with a condom because i thought ah! that's what i was
0: supposed to do very lady know? bunny very late it was bunny very like
2: you know late like you know 80s like mid 90s kind of thing and i was having a really difficult time at that time because a lot of my friends were sort of tapping out and having like secret little gatherings and secret little things. And, you know, I was, you know, it's just, we live in a small community, no matter where we are. So we always find out each other's business. And I was starting to get that feeling you were talking about, like, am I going crazy? Like I'm seeing these things happen or I'm like, why do I feel like people are cheating on me when they're going to these secret parties? And so I that's sat down. That's the feeling. And I was like, it's the feeling. It's like you're getting cheated on by someone. Yes. Like, the last time I got. But this by upset, all the
1: fags I used to trust. Ever-
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So that's a really that's going to take us years to unpack, right? And we've all made a mental list of who did what during this, which is what you're talking about. It's history. We're living it right now, and the choices that we're making right now are going to be etched in our minds for a very long time. And so oh, that specific weekend was really difficult. Um, because I was, I was having the like, "Are you crazy?" And then I thought, like, you know, you gave a blowjob with a condom, a strawberry flavored condom. It was a terrible mm. blowjob, of course, because it was a strawberry flavored condom. Now, how but long does like, the I flavor never... last? Longer than big red chewing gum? <laughs> Less. You know what? Like um, zebra gum. Remember zebra gum? Oh my or god! Bubble, Fifteen yes. seconds yeah. and it's like gone. nothing. It's gone. <laughs> so. um, <laughs> And so I remember being like, okay, I never look back at that blowjob and regret it because it was part of my,
0: my Mm. care journey.
2: Mm -hmm. Like it was part of this thing. And when I realized that like, oh, HIV is actually harder to catch than I was told, this is going to be a process. So I wrote that to myself. and, And part of it's like, you know, we don't look back at, even though the AIDS pandemic cost us so many moments, we don't look back at it and say, I should have taken more risks that one time. I didn't need to wear a condom that one time. That's not Mm. how humans work after the fact. And so what I say in that post is that the FOMO isn't going to be what you remember the most, what you're going to remember the most. What's unforgettable is moments where you set your guard down and then you end up, you know, Mm -hmm. doing something that gets somebody killed um you know the FOMO isn't going to be what you remember it's going to be these moments that you protected others it's not going to be lost revelries like it's not going to be the parties that you missed, like and so that was the post that was picked up by a lot of like disabled folk because it spoke to them in a different way and I didn't see that coming but Mm. all of a sudden I got a lot of letters from a lot of moms that were like this has been a really like you're you're Instagram account has been really helpful. And meanwhile, I'm like, all my Instagram accounts that have been is like, dudes, party, you know, like, everywhere.
1: yeah, I was like, like, don't scroll down too far, Nancy. <laughs> don't scroll down, please. Um, so the Instagram that we're talking about is Herrera Images, by works. the way. So you can all go watch and see.
0: And something else. Well, Okay, so let's take a quick break. We'll be right mm-hmm. back. Ah. Okay, we're back. uh -uh. (laughs) And um, I want to talk about one other thing. also on your Instagram, you have g- compiled these like beautiful um, uh, video sequences where you've basically like underscored a bunch of uh, r- super right wing trunk t- Trump TikToks, and yeah. um, you, you you basically <laughs> give liberals uh a, a, a little window into a whole other side of social media that we don't look at. And I don't want to go too dar- deep down in this because right. we're recording this the day before before the inauguration. My I'm hope scared. is that we're going to, like, you know, we'll also, see what I'd happens. I'd like
1: to ask you about Lady Maga because I, we, almost I her. We, I, we almost had her on the you show. I heard talking
2: about her because yeah. I was listening to you guys' older podcast and I listened to the Alaska one mm-hmm. and you were talking about Lady Maga, which is... I mean, oh, God, it's such a... That's oh, a character study in itself. No, the question oh is... The question you, is thoughts? W- thoughts? What's the analysis? <laughs> what, well, what do you got going on? Why does she hate herself? <laughs> well, I think it, what one of the things that I wanted to do... I mean, a lot of my work deals with, like, looking at really dark subjects and trying to sort of twist them around. And, and for a and, white person, and she's make, awful dark. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> um. And so I started to go down MAGA TikTok, like when, when you know, because we're dealing with this pandemic. And at the same time, there's this this moment of racial reckoning that's slamming right into it. Right. And I'm I'm a queer Mexican immigrant who grew up undocumented in one of the worst, most unkind places to immigrants, you know. So, mm-hmm. like, it's, you know it's it was really scary in so many ways because you have this pandemic that's killing people that look like my parents mm-hmm. and then you have all these like overlaps and then all these karen videos started coming out and i realized i had so much like karen trauma from growing up in arizona
0: wow and that was wow. like a really real
2: thing that i had never sort of like looked face to face at and I just, I don't know exactly how it happened, but I was like, I'm going to sort of do like exposure therapy and go down these like mega TikToks was was, when everybody got into TikTok. And I realized there's this whole side of social media that's specifically tailored for all of this stuff. And so I started to do these MAGA meltdown videos of just like how funny they are because they're just so campy and they're so unself-aware that they're in a cult, most of them. Mm -hmm. At least the ones that are posting, I think it's really unfair to just lump all Trump supporters into one thing. But the ones that are taking the time to do these TikTok videos and whole ass accounts based on this red hat personality trait is really fascinating because they're the ones that, of course, came in not wearing their face condoms right and yeah. creating a whole culture based on not wearing protection which gay people have done we did it with porn and barebacking so all of these things are mm. swirling around and then all of a sudden in the middle of it i see that there's all these fucking maga gays oh, and it's just like Christian oh Walker
1: shit.
2: here we go <laughs> and then here comes lady maga and it's just like a gift from heaven in I'm the just middle imagining, of deepest
0: quarantine. I'm imagining you discovering this and like in the same time, your heart sinks for like their sheer existence, but this like evil smile comes across your face. Oh, and you you're can like- hear it.
2: So when I, So whenever, whenever I do a video with her, cause I pick like theme songs for them. <laughs> And and you so have, I have a these, whole like,
1: slideshow on her on your it's I have a whole
2: like, yeah, I have a whole series of them. <laughs> and so for her, I always choose a cover of "Streets of Philadelphia" from <laughs> from the movie Philadelphia, which is sort of an old reference, but it's the Bruce Springsteen theme song to so the AIDS movie with Tom Hanks. Yeah. So it's like she. So I always pick a different version of that song for anything that she's doing. And so you're watching this trajectory of these gays who for a variety of reasons do not have the education right so you have to always preface a lot of this complaint within our community to you know to come from a place of understanding you have to remember that we didn't get taught how to be gay and Mm -hmm. we didn't get any formal training and some people just don't have the lessons you know there's some of these kids that are literally 21 spewing all this crazy shit and you're like oh you're like you're in that part of being gay like you don't know you hate yourself and you don't know how to control your sexuality and you don't know how to live in your 22 year old gay body. And so you have blamed our community. And so you went to some other side and throughout our history, we've done that. Like we've, as gay people, you know, there was gay Republicans in the eighties during Mm -hmm. Reagan didn't turn out so well for them. Um, You know, a lot of, there was a lot of, there was always community infighting during like the 60s, for example, where 1950s and 40s gays were telling the 60s gays, like, why do you have to be so open about everything? Right. You're destroying everything. Oh. That so this is that moment, right? And so there's these gays on there that have no sense of history and they have no context of it. So they don't understand that like Trump and that machine is always gonna kill you. Like, it's always gonna be there. Like, it will It will hold you up like a token as long as it needs you. And then when the time comes, Lady Maga, you will get yelled out on the street and you will get shamed by these Proud Boys and nobody's gonna come to your rescue. They scream and shame at her. They shame, it- shame, that's disgusting. You know, like, and it's like, that's where the heart of that is. Like, that's where the heart of where you're in is. And yeah. I think there is a level of narcissism involved because you get to be the only one. Like you see that in a lot of minorities that show up wow. in these things, where it's like you get to be the first. Of course, you're the only. Who doesn't want to be? And uh. I've done drag, so I can say this. Who, which drag queen doesn't want to be the only drag queen in a two mile radius with people lining up taking pictures with her? Like, oh my who god, doesn't I never even validation? thought of it that way because she doesn't get that validation
1: from the drag community because she's bad.
2: Well, because, and so when these people, and so I've studied all of these magays and there's the- pattern
0: Okay, coin a term. Um, right. So these
2: mages, there's a lot of-, of There's, so there's these, uh, there's these common themes with them. And it's always about uh, being ignored by the community. You know, there's, there's this level of like, nobody wanted to fuck me nobody wants to pay attention to me. I was Mm. an ugly duckling kid, right? There's that part of it. Then there's money. There's a lot of it comes down to money. A lot of these, my gays are of a certain class and they're complaining about taxes, which to me, I'm like, you fucking bitch, there's kids in cages and people dying of COVID and you're talking about taxes. So there's a disconnect there. And then there's just the level of loneliness that comes from just being gay in general. And at some point they sort of expose themselves as conservative thinking. And because we don't have those systems in place, we don't have room for them in our community. Um, it's just created this perfect storm and you sort of want to be like, girl, like we did a pandemic before, like, they're not making this up. Like (laughs) this isn't a hoax. Like they will let you die. Like they will let people die. Like we've done this, but, I'm not expecting a Lady Maga to have any trans friends of color. I'm not expecting her to have a lot of older gay men to talk to. She has a lot of, and a lot of the Magays have really intense transphobic thinking. Like she has a whole thing about nonsensical transgenderism. And it gets really intense. And part of why I started to study that is because And some of my friends were like, We're worried about your mental health going into these like MAGA holes and whatever. And it's like, Girl, those kids are showing up at our pride and they're going to make sure that they are seen and heard at our pride. They've already been doing marches. You know, they did one in West Hollywood. Like, Mm -hmm. there's a level of indoctrination that is happening with this MAGA thing that we all, you know, it's like cult light for a lot of people. And so they're perfect targets. And so, You know, Lady Maga, for example, Mormon, Utah, drag queen who was left, uh, you know, her... Drag queens can be really mean. I don't know if you guys have heard this, but drag queens can be really mean. (laughs) Oh, my God,
1: can they? I know,
2: I've never... um, It makes sense
1: that she... Oh, I just... I never... um, I don't want to say the word is sympathized. Empathized for it's, her. No,
2: you should empathize. Maybe sympathy is not the word, but empathy right. because we need yeah. to understand where this is coming from because it's only going to grow and it's only going to get bigger.
0: And it's exactly what you said about like coming to the prides because then the the goes like, oh, well, we we want to march here to. yes. Oh, but I thought pride is all about love. I thought pride was- inclusivity. Exactly. And so it's like it's like, you know, it's like But being when the aware. message that
1: you're trying to send is hate, then we're but not all it's not though, because honey. Lady
2: Maga is all about rainbows and she's got that Mariah oh, yeah, Carey But that's fucking
1: my thing. my issue with her is that she's mm-hmm. high
2: like she seemed to get
1: mad at that group of Proud Boys that was yelling at her and saying that. And she was like, those aren't the MAGA people that I want to be around. But I was like, right. it seems like it is because you traveled there. To like, you're them. out of state. You went to go be a part of that group. So when when you you get to decide that you're a part of it or that they're bad versions of it, is only how it affects you? Like,
2: I don't understand that. It's almost like people don't remember that, like, when you're in a large group like that, like, sometimes like your heart the heart of this group is almost in its worst members in a way right so it's like if they're the weak spot so it's like i've seen so many maga rallies and a lot of them look like like they're having a great time right there's like there is a sense of community there is a sense of whatever it's a fucking hoodless clan rally but Mm -hmm. it leaves a lot of room for minorities and for open thinking and it's the constitution so you get to cherry pick your way through those Mm -hmm. if you want right and and she has a really interesting way of always zone like she goes right for the minorities it's always like i found a mexican like i found an asian i found a black guy Black, black guy can you talk to me like it's always that with her
0: oh wow but they
2: all do that so that's where the that's where the lack of historical context comes in because anecdotal doesn't mean that it's not systemic and so a lot of MAGA people will point out a lady MAGA who becomes the token gay. So we're not homophobic because look at us taking a picture with a drag queen. Look at that dude over there. Right? But then you have this faction that we saw this last week that we've all known was there. Of course. But now you see them taking a shit in the Capitol and like, how are you going to excuse it? So that night You know where, she was there. I know. And that's what's part of my story on the MAGA's. when you click on Herrera images- She's there. And I was like, okay, I don't want to comment on everything because first of all, I've done so many MAGA things. And I, you know, there was like a trucker strike that nobody heard about that I have in my series where it's like, they had this whole trucker strike planned on TikTok that completely bombed. That is hilarious. Right. Um, (laughs) And, you know, I thought a lot of that stuff in the Capitol was just really, really sad. And it wasn't funny. And a lot of people that had like made fun of these MAGA people for the last year was like, that was really sad. And it was just like really disturbing, but I was like, let me check up on this bitch. And, um, ah. <laughs> and she's, Oh, cause this is the other rally too. So she's like in this rally and the rallies are getting darker. You know, they're getting scarier and people are reporting that they're getting scarier. So the, before this last one, she's there. And this thing happens with this, a guy named Nick Fuentes. He's some 22-year-old, outright little monster uh-huh. who has been given way too much oxygen. And he is the heart of that movement in a lot of ways, right? Mm-hmm. So she has that thing with him and I am just following her live you know, feed. And she gets home and she has this really sad moment where she's in a hotel room by herself and she's basically like, crying about how much she loves her country. And I'm totally empathizing by what she's saying, but I'm like, but Boo Boo, you picked the wrong side. Yeah, And I know that, that you might have felt alone in our side and rightfully so, cause I don't got fucking time for some white bitch when there's fucking kids in cages and black women dying of COVID at crazy rates. Like we don't mm-hmm. have time for your, you know, your realizations, but I could see that in your eyes you're working from love and you really do believe that and the language and the messaging has gotten so twisted that you really thought that a person like you is going to be safe in these spaces and they were never built for you and they will bail on you at the first moment and you're gonna have to realize at the end of this that you were behind something that was and antithetical to everything that you are and that's a really hard thing for people to wrap their head around right Mm. but that's what makes her so fucking campy and hilarious because she's clueless to it
0: yeah so
2: she's this character study like a lot of these kids are where it's like the sadness i think for us is that we recognize all of it and that and going back to the pv gaze my post was like we get why you're there we get we get it queen like we get that thing but we all have to learn these really shitty lessons because they're death are life or death lessons like you could have been killed at that thing lady maga
0: yeah you know completely. like completely completely like wow. if that mo- she if, if go, you had I, been in
2: the capitol building
1: huh it's my understanding like that she's going to these alone like no one's coming with
2: her she's going oh, she's to got a meet- prince charming and she's always got like you know oh does her she? little fag hag oh yeah man.
1: I thought she was going alone which made it even worse for me. I was
2: like, girl. well she was walking alone the night of the Capitol. She was like live, you know, treating like, "Oh, I hope no Antifa is here to hurt me." And I was oh like, girl, God. Antifa it's not Antifa there, like, <laughs> we're going to hurt Antifa you with words. They the have out guns. Out
0: you, yeah. yeah. They let you go. So it's uh, really hurt like
2: it's sad. Yeah. <laughs> It well, is that. well, do
0: you? is there a place where you um, lecture or teach a course like on the regular where people can tune in? I mean, Jesus, I feel like it's so I... fascinating to hear your <laughs> yeah. perspective I... on everything. Did I just do that? I don't know. Uh, well, no, I I know. Mean, I'm working on that. Just saying like at the end of it, like for us to like have all of these conversations, see what I feel like is the truth. In, like, the, you know, the connections and the hypocrisy and all of this political stuff. And then for you to end it saying, you know, that you see that she's coming from a place of love and you empathize, it's like, that is a very, you know, like... Mature. To see the humanity in, in, in sh- her and other people, I think, is a, is a really important thing that we have to do. And it's one of the hardest things to do because we're seeing people violently attack, you know, what we think is is important, whether mm-hmm. in their, in their uh, passive behavior or in their active behavior. And, and to, to try to see past it and see within the, their humanity, I think, is the only way forward.
2: I think it's very, very, very difficult to be gay and to grow up gay. And I think it fucks every single one of us up in really specific ways and in ways that are also really, really beautiful. And I call it the unmistakable softness, which is this thing that you see in children. You know, one of my favorite things is seeing pictures of all of my friends is when they're like four and they're like like reclined with their little (laughs) hands up or like, you know, a little toe up. Like we all have that. And- the way that our system and our, our, you know, our world is built, it's built to destroy that so early on Mm -hmm. and we sort of grow bent in these really different ways. And if you don't go back to that with everybody, including the idiots on the boat and PV, including like, you know, gay closeted Republicans, if you don't go back to that to find where that source of truth is, then you also do a disservice to yourself and all you're doing is shaming people for something that you recognize within yourself. And I think that that's where a lot of the reaction to my post and the PV gaze thing was where it was like, we know why you're there. And that's where the reaction to a lot of my work comes from. And I think that's where, when we all, you know, cause I'm talking to two artists here, when we operate from that level of love And from what drag comes from and from all of that, then you sort of do get to why people do the stuff they do. It's not that hard, though. Like, it's not that difficult. And you can understand sort of anybody when you think about, like, even the the worst MAGA people, you can sort of see where they're coming from, right? You can. It's not about them hating me. It's that they hate that their daughter is jobless Mm -hmm. and, you know, struggling so bad. Like, with gay people it's such a specific trauma. It's such this like battle that we have with ourselves so early on. And it's this beating up of ourselves that we do and this battle against nature that we have and this war that we live with ourselves that is really, really specific to our people. And so it sort of creates these, it creates like, I hate to say the word rainbow. I just totally killed that. No, um, <laughs> but it Spectrum. creates these. Pri- yeah, well, no, because it creates like a, a like a palette, like primary colors. You know, like that's why we split ourselves into these like factions, and that's why a lot of these gays that go to circuit parties, they're they're battling some kind of trauma. You know, like mm. and and the drag queens mm. are battling another kind of trauma. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're all sort of choosing this different path. The idea and sort of to finish this off with is that your path cannot destroy somebody else's, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and that's the thing that we have with the meg gays and the PV (laughs) gays. Like, this is where this joins is like your path is putting other people's in danger. Lady Maga, you being out there giving people the excuse of being like, I can't be homophobic. I just took a picture with a drag queen. So let me vote for these insanely transphobic laws. Mm -hmm. You're giving people permission to do that. Same thing with these gays in Puerto Vallarta. You're giving permission to other people to do certain things in a pandemic. So that's when you sort of have to come in and be like, not so fast, bitch.
0: Right. And then you have to mm. use
2: humor and empathy and it's not easy for everybody to do. But these are important conversations for us to
0: have. Totally. And we appreciate you being on the Thank show. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank this is you. amazing. Um, okay, so important things to know. Uh Instagram, you are Herrera Images, H E R R E R A images. Um and to check out the Fathers project, um it the website is iftheylived.org Is that correct?
2: Correct. Yes, if and they there's dot org, honey.
1: A there's bu- a fisting
0: scene in the middle of it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> there's hardcore, also slo-mo.
1: there's also like <laughs> Yeah, a I was be- in slow-mo too, and you can see that lube <laughs> sliding off his arm. Honey.
2: That's now, do, what
1: was? Do you know if that lube was the sugar-based lube for animals?
2: No, it's the kind of lube that you have to like make, the like powdered lube. That is like the the yeah, like the one that you like. It's serious. and it comes in the water bottle.
0: I've seen it at CCBC. CCBC. No, she knows. She um, knows. There's also uh, this really amazing like little mini doc about you and the creation of the project that's on that website too, which is just Correct. really enlightening and great. So. Um. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you so thank much you for being here. This me. was so fun, Just light oh, conversation.
2: No.
0: <laughs> I know, but I it, 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 <laughs> honestly, it's very nice to hear someone who isn't like yelling at you their opinion on TV, and it's not your own thoughts swirling in your brain. Right. So I really appreciated this conversation, and I, I think this as well too. Um. That's it. Meatball. So, thanks
1: for listening so much to Sloppy Seconds. You can so follow much. us on Instagram at Sloppy Pod. Send us an email at sloppy pod at gmail.com or call in with the Fuck Talk Story 2213. Okay. Five, three, six, hey.
0: nine, one, eight, zero. You can follow me at Big Dipper Jelly. You can follow Spiciest Meatball on Instagram or Fat Drag Meatball on Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't ever miss an episode which come out every Tuesday and Friday. Okay.
1: We and did I it. And I didn't do a single Wicked riff. You just did. <laughs> you just did. I know, but we'll edit it out and then they'll never Moments it. Moments
0: ago, you just Ooh. did. Ooh. Okay. Bye. doodle Doot
1: doo Forever Dog. To listen to Sloppy Seconds ad-free and one day early, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcast.com slash plus. Sloppy Seconds is produced by Forever Dog and Moguls of Media, a.k.a. Mom. Posted by Big Dipper and Meatball. Music, editing, and sound design by William
0: Pitt. Executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Joe Cilio, Brett Boehm, and Alex Ramsey.
1: Our artwork was drawn by Christian Cimarroni.
0: And our theme song was written by Mike Malarkey.